welcome to the West North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to go over your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, how are you this week? Uh, you know, not bad. Not bad. I was uh, feeling a little tired this afternoon. I don't know why. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. How about you? Was it was it one of those sad naps I hear hear people take after after games? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't quite a sad nap. It was uh, more just a I don't know, just completely tired with the world nap. Just yes, you just can't anymore nap. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, hanging in. It's a it's a Monday, so. It's weird. It's it's weird having game days on Mondays. I think I don't know why. Yeah, it it does put my like whole weekend kind of out of whack. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I have a rhythm. You know, I do my game my Saturday Sunday watching Premier League. Usually in the evening nowadays, there's the uh, Sanders game on Sunday or Saturday. And to have a game on Monday just is. I, maybe that's why I was napping. My body just wasn't used to it. It was it was just too much emotion for a Monday. Exactly. All right. Well, we're to that point in the show where I usually am asking you about what you're drinking, and I realize I have not opened my drink. Ooh, that sounds nice. What are, what are you drinking? What is that nice, <laughs> crisp? Uh, I am drinking uh, a Deep Elm IPA, and it's out of Texas. Yeah. Deep Ellum Brewing Company. Uh, oh, Deep Ellum? Yes. Hmm. Never I don't know. I don't know much about them. I just have their beer. <laughs> oh, let's, let's see how this tastes. One second. Yeah. Hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. Is it like a pretty, pretty standard IPA? Yeah. You know, it's got, okay. Going in, it tastes good. And then on the mm-hmm. back end, though, it's got a little bit of that lager flavor. I don't. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Sometimes you get that with IPAs, and I don't love it. And I don't know yeah. what the ingredient is that makes that happen, but it's not bad. It's not the, not the worst I've ever tasted by any means. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, what are you drinking? Well, I have uh, Aslan Brewing, a Bellingham Brewing uh, brewery. I'm drinking there. Coastal uh, Pilsner, or Coastal Pils is actually what they call it. It's a German-style Pilsner. I love me a good Pilsner. And this is exactly what the can advertises, standard German-style Pilsner. And it's 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 lovely. All right. Well, that sounds good. I always like Aslan stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they just opened up a uh, brew house in uh, Fremont. Or not just, just, but in the last couple months. It was like pre, pre-pandemic, I think, was when it opened. Yeah. So I, I hope they're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually I haven't seen it since the pandemic, so hopefully it's still open. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what do you what do you got this week for your question of the week? Uh well, so as some of you may have seen, I've decided to join the world of the Twitterverse, mainly because Facebook was just really kind of bothering me. I don't know, it was getting <laughs> weird. So I decided to try and jump from Facebook to Twitter like ten years after everybody else has. I don't know um, if that's like the definition of like out of the frying pan and into the fire, but <laughs> I think I don't know if it's any better in the Twitter world. Someone told me that it was better, so I'm 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 dipping my toe in, trying it out. So I just wanted to know who's the uh, must follow on Twitter. Like I have Bellerin, of course, because you needed the uh, you need the sexy man pictures, but uh, 
who else would you uh, recommend? It's funny. I feel like I follow a lot of players, but they don't tweet a ton. Um, Bellerin definitely, I think, has like the most uh, interesting content because he does his own like podcast stuff. Like with um, on you, he was doing a series on YouTube for a bit, so he's promoting that, and he's usually talking about some of the other charities he's involved with. So um, he's one of the more interesting people off the field. So uh, he usually has the most most to post. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know who the, I guess uh, most of the actions happening on Instagram. So, and I don't, and I don't really jump in on that that much. I kind of just see stuff get reposted on Reddit or retweeted on, on, on Twitter. So I I don't follow anybody directly, uh, very well through Instagram. I feel like an old man on Instagram. I don't, I just post (laughs) pictures of my kids and call it good. (laughs) So I'm I'm one social media step behind yet again. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, mean, I don't really, I don't really know. I, I don't have a good suggestion for you. I feel like I follow a lot of um, podcasters and pundits, and um, you know, people like Ornstein who might have some transfer news every once in a while, or uh, um, who's the other guy, Romano. Um, yeah, there's, and this is the this is the time to really be figuring out who you like as far as transfer windows go. And then you, you keep them in your back pocket for the next window because they're um, kind of useless in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think my, my most exciting follow was this morning. I totally started following Gunnersaurus. Hey, yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> I wonder if he can shoot a t-shirt through with a t-shirt cannon through the internet. Oh, Virtual t-shirt cannon. I like this idea. <laughs> There's uh-huh. some promotion money there to be had. Yeah, I'll just have to uh, patent that idea. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll pause the posting of this podcast while you go take care of that. <laughs> we don't want those ideas getting out before no. you've locked them up. No, that's true. All right. Well, I don't know if you could guess from our tone earlier, but it w- it wasn't uh, a resounding win for Arsenal this week. It wasn't even a resounding or, you know, a, a passable draw. It was, it was a bit of a thumping from Liverpool today. Thumping? I don't know if it thumping is the... Yeah, maybe that's the wrong term because it wasn't... They didn't get played off the field by any means. What, what was your impression of it? Yeah, I mean, first impression. I mean, like, I really do think the 3-1 is a little... It's it's not generous in the fact that Liverpool definitely did have enough chances to make it three one, but I, I feel two one was probably a more fair representation of how the game went. Mm-hmm. Um, it just an overall impression. It was early on. I think Arsenal sat back and soaked a lot of pressure, got a goal on the counter, which was against the run of play. And no sooner had I tweeted, "Wow, that was against the run of play," when Liverpool scored two more goals. And that was kind of the story of the game. Arsenal came out in the second half, I think, looking a little bit better. And then once Ceballos got on the field, we had a little bit more creativity. And then they just hit us with uh, one more goal towards the end. How about your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I felt pretty good about it at 2-1. Um, but, you know, a loss is a loss. So adding another goal on there... Um, isn't the end of the world. Uh, and probably, yeah, didn't really speak to the performance that Arsenal put in, in this game. It was, it was an interesting one. It was, 
uh, it, it was, you know, there, there was a bit of hope at the beginning. Uh, we were up for about a minute, <laughs> you know, that was, that was the surprise was to go up a goal, um, you know, in the middle of the first half. And I, I, it was a kind of a fluky goal for Lacazette. Um, the ball just kind of fell into his lap in, in he was in an offside position, but the, the defender kind of just knocked it right to him. And he didn't even have a good clean strike on it. It just, it just caught Allison off, off his line a little bit. He went to ground and, and Lacazette's weirdly hit ball just was a little too tall for him. Uh, yeah, it was just a it was just a bizarre goal, and then no, not, no sooner had I tweeted about it than Mane had, had gotten his goal like three minutes later. So um, the delays in the the stream today were not helping the the Twitterverse at all. It was it was kind of uh, awkward to be tweeting about stuff, and then all of a sudden, your the UK people were who were seeing it in real time were were saying, "Oh, it's a goal." I was like, "Oh, well, I'm not seeing that, so I guess I'll just sit tight here for the." For the the goal to catch up to me, but you know um, that's, that's that, frustrating. That, the the streaming thing is weird, or the delay thing is weird because I didn't. I was watching on Peacock and I didn't have that delay. I was I checked. I saw everyone else, or a lot of people were talking about it. The delay, but I checked mine. I think I, the delay was seconds, like ten seconds. I think I was off from real time. So I'm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just uh, so many people on the server that some people were just getting the delay yeah it could be i i don't know what was going on but it seemed like it was at least 30 seconds sometimes up to a minute late but i'm not here to complain about peacock it is what it is <laughs> um but yeah it then after that uh Mane goal you know once they leveled things up it seemed like liverpool was was back in control of the game and, and that's that pretty much sums up the uh entirety of the game was liverpool were very much in control um and, and Arsenal, I don't know what was different about this game compared to the other games they've played against Liverpool and found some success recently, but I really do think it, it comes down to whether Liverpool uh, makes mistakes. I think that's that's the only, you know, if they show up and they're on their game, it's, it's really hard to keep up with them. And I would say that about pretty much any Premier League team. They, they are the champions for a reason and and that that showed today like when they're in their groove it's it there is a dis, a, bit, a bit of daylight between them and arsenal right now definitely and, and and you asked what the difference between the two games i think the last two games that we've played against them were in kind of different circumstances the the mm-hmm. the one last year in the league that was just after project restart they had already really sewn up the league and were just kind of at the beach already so there wasn't i think their mind weren't 100% into that game and the same thing with the community shield is it was it was more a glorified preseason game than it was really some a very competitive at the high level i, I think liverpool wanted to win that game but i don't think it's at the same level as a, a normal match. And I think we saw a normal match today. And when I was w- looking at it, I felt like there was progress. I mean, in recent times, besides the last two times we played them, we've had some really uh, bad shellackings, lots of goals going in. And I think it showed a little bit of uh, of 
progress. But when I was looking at the lineups, it really does show the difference in in, in talent. That uh, I was thinking, there are really only three players in our starting lineup that could get a sniff at the Liverpool team. You're looking at Obama, Yeh, uh, William, and uh, Tierney. With only three, mm. I could see being on, uh, going for a spot on the on the Liverpool team. The rest of our team is definitely far at a different level. I would say I, I would say I would put Leno and Allison in in a similar category. They paid a lot for Allison, but I think Leno's not uh, far off from that. Yeah, it's true. I'd, I'd go with that as well. But I mean, the rest of the team, you just see how much further we have to go. But then I'm also reminded that Liverpool didn't do it in one transfer window either, that we have, you know, time to build up this team. Yeah, that, and that's having patience is really difficult, <laughs> um, especially when you when there is progress, you want there to be all the progress. Like it, it's it is a long slog. It is. Uh, you know, a season or two before we might see um, us keeping up with Liverpool. Um, and that's not to say, like, I think we're, we're kind of dancing around it, but we did not get played out of the park today. There was yeah. a, a distinct difference between the, the game we played today and the games that we've lost previously to Liverpool in the last season or two. Um, and that was, that, that just comes down to the organization, the, the, plan that they stuck to I, I think it was admirable and I, I think this came up with several um, people commenting on the game after the fact and it was admirable that they were sticking to their plan of playing out the back and, and not just hoofing the ball over the top and trying to see what they could get because that doesn't um, if, even if you get even if you get that to work it's not really sustainable and it's it's not something that um, really helps you control the game. It's just kind of hitting it hard and hoping that something happens. And that's not really what Arsenal is trying to become. And I think that the fact that the, the team really felt like they were um, collectively uh, behind Arteta's plan and, and stuck to it, even when it was not going the way they had hoped, you know, I think um, we, we think about game States um and how you know the scoreline changes how teams play, but Arsenal today were very consistent and they didn't deviate from what they were trying to do, um, even when the game was slipping away from them. And I think that's um, that is a positive, even if it um, it seems like futile to to continue to do something that um, isn't getting you the results that you want. It's not about just today's game; it's about discipline in every game and sticking to that plan no matter how the game goes, because eventually it's going to click and those, those chances are going to start going your way. And if you figure out how to do it in a game against Liverpool, then everybody else or every other game starts to feel really easy because you figured out how to do it against that really hard team. You've tested yourself. You figured out what works and what doesn't, you know, those are the types of situations, even losing, you can learn, you can learn things. So I think that was, just a, po- a a positive aspect to this. And I think that that's part of why I don't feel super bad about this game because it was a learning experience. It showed where, where we are at. Um, I, I think I had, I had hoped that we would get a tie, but I don't, I don't feel bad about the loss. I don't think we're, we're at the um, beat Liverpool on a, on a Monday sort of level yet. We've got it. We've got a ways to go and we've got to 
change our personnel a little bit to get there. I think we, we saw where the weak points were. We saw what the um, team was trying to do and where it wasn't working. And I think you, you have to go out and, and get the players that make it work. So I think that's the next, next step for this team. Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, you talk about the uh, sticking to the plane out the back, for example. Which, and I was just watching a documentary on Netflix about uh, Pep Guardiola's uh, Barcelona. And they had a whole section kind of about the uh, the plane from the back. And when Pep really first started introducing that to Barcelona and how he wouldn't get upset at a player for playing out of the back and losing the ball and even having a goal scored against. He'd get upset about a player not trying to trying to play it out the back and i think we're and it took several games and several times before barcelona even became comfortable with that and i think we're seeing that pattern here with arsenal that it's just it's it's gonna take a little bit of time to 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 learn these things and get these things and it's not going to happen all at once and I, i think that goes across the board over the whole team yeah, what did you what did you think of the the lineup that Arteta put out today? How how did you feel um, with the changes that were made? Um, I, I think the 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 biggest surprise for me was that Ceballos didn't start. I I don't think our midfield is at its strongest. Our our strongest midfield pairing wouldn't have been for me, Jaka and Elmeni starting the game that seemed to have a very defensive move really which I, I guess makes sense but uh I, I was surprised by that I was I was surprised with Louise's over Gabriel um I can see it as you know we've been leaning a lot on Gabriel so it may have been nice to actually have uh I don't know someone with a little bit more experience in the in the game. Those are my my biggest uh, question marks. I think the rest of the team look, was a pretty, I don't know, straightforward starting lineup. Uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think you know we we the only other change was um, William coming back in for Pepe, and um, I I totally understand why you would want want him in and I think it kind of is the same as why you'd want to have Louise in there. And it's just that these are players that have played for big teams. They know what it takes to compete in these big games and they have experience against Liverpool. Um, whereas Gabriel, not so much. Um, so taking him out of that, that, uh, lineup was kind of a no brainer to me. Like despite him playing well against, Fulham and West Ham, I'm, I'm not sure he was ready for that that step up in level and and getting torn <clears throat> excuse me getting torn up by Liverpool doesn't do anything for his confidence. So I think letting Louise taking take that role and and um you know saving Gabriel for another another time maybe by the time we play uh, Liverpool again this Thursday <laughs> he'll be ready, but. Uh, you know, I I understand why Louise gets the nod here. He's he's got big game experience. He's got leadership, and I think they they need that that sort of player on the field um, in these big games. So 
That I get. Uh, I think that, yeah, the biggest one for me was the El Neni um, Sabios one. And, and going into the game, I was like, okay, I get it. I could see why you maybe want uh, a, a little bit more uh, of a defensive look in the middle of the field. But man, I think that was... <sighs> That's tough because I, 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 it's hard to gauge whether Ceballos starting would have been different because the, the, the game was very different in the first half versus the second half. And I don't know if that was down to um, players being tired, if there was a shift in the way that Arsenal was playing. I mean, I think they came out and played better in the second half, even though they didn't find a goal. Um, but I think... Ceballos coming in, you could see that there was just a little spark of creativity, and that was certainly lacking with the very defensive look with Xhaka and, and El Nani. And so I think that was that was something Ceballos brought, but I don't know if that would have been something that would have changed the game really, because I, I felt like Liverpool really smothered anything that was coming out of out of Arsenal's half, and it didn't 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 get a whole lot of control through the midfield. So I don't know if Ceballos would have had much luck through a full game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an area where missing a piece. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I was wondering even during the game, if this, it was part of Arteta's setup to start the game in a very defensive shell, soak up pressure, hopefully even make it to halftime at a level or within striking distance. And then kind of in the second half, go at it, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. It it reminds me of uh, something I read that Jose Mourinho said about a game, which is that managing a game isn't necessarily about striking 100% of the time, but knowing when exactly the other team's the weakest and then striking. So Mm -hmm. I I wonder if it was very much on purpose with Arteta of just kind of soaking up the pressure and then trying to go for it when he thought Liverpool was the most vulnerable. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't quite play out that way. But you, I mean, you look at the options off the bench, and I, I do really love the idea that we have um, Pepe and Saka, and uh, you know Gabriel was there, Nick and Kedia was there. So there, there's definitely options that can spark something off the bench. It just wasn't to be today. Uh, it, it was a bit frustrating for the players. You could tell that they really wanted to come in and win. And Lacazette had a golden opportunity to tie up the game. Um, I think middle of the second half was when he had his, his chance on goal and did, shot it right at Allison, which is unfortunate, but you could tell when he got taken off for Enkedia that he was really just frustrated with his performance. And I think um, he put in a good shift. I wouldn't say that Lacazette's miss was the deciding factor by any means, just because I, it really felt like if if Liverpool needed to, they had another gear in them, and and that was when Arsenal really looked like out of out of their depth. This when when Liverpool turned it up, it's just too quick, <laughs> too too much. Um, the pressure was was was. It's amazing how much press they can do throughout the entire game. Like I, there was not a moment that Arsenal really had breathing room. They had periods of control, but they couldn't turn it into anything. And then before you knew it, they were 
you know, it only takes one quick turnover and Liverpool was, you know, back, back at them. And it didn't, didn't really feel like Arsenal really had, um, any, any good shots. I, I think the, the Lacazette shot directly at Allison was, um, probably their best shot on goal. And that's not, not saying a whole lot. I mean, even compared to the goal that, uh, Lacazette did score, it wasn't a very pretty one. Just kind of, like I said, a fluky thing. But yeah, it never felt like Arsenal were very threatening. I think Liverpool, um, if if Lacazette had scored that second goal, they they easily could have continued uh, their dominance. I don't think they're scared off by other teams scoring at all. Yeah, um, but I wonder. Uh, our friend of our, the pod and a former guest of the pod, John, asked. Uh, I feel like Emery and Eleni was uh, played to showcase how much we lack in the midfield. Sabayos was on and we created chances out of nothing. Are Party and OR going to drastically improve our midfield? If you can get them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's a big stretch to, to think we're going to get both. It seems like there's a chance to get one. Um but nothing is over the line yet. We'll know later this week, I think, where we're going to end up with that. But it's kind of sounding like Arsenal's um, got to pick one or the other. I don't I don't see them going after both unless this Terrera deal really pans out with um, the party exchange uh, with Madrid, uh, Atletico Madrid. I think that's the... That's the only way I can see um, both of them coming is if this Terrera thing as a make-weight pans out but i don't know that's i think there was a case to be made for both of those players to come to arsenal today um there is definitely a need for defensive control i mean i think that's why you put el Nenny in is to have a stronger defensive presence in the midfield and you know i think party is a big upgrade on el Nenny and even jaka as far as the defensive ability goes um, but I think more importantly, Arsenal really needs somebody to break, um, break down defenses and, and just be that connecting piece. And I don't, I don't know that that party fills that role, but ROR is, is definitely that type of player that's going to fill that kind of Kevin De Bruyne, um, do, do everything midfielder that can really progress the ball, that can be a threat on goal that, um, just shrugs off the high press and can uh, be an outlet. So I, I hope that Arsenal find a way to get him. I think he could be the difference maker. And um, it's, I think it's one of those things, excuse me, that if you, if you go out and get that sort of player, it just makes three or four other guys around him just so much better because of what he's able to let other, other players do. Um, We've seen this with, William playing with Lacazette, that Lacazette's been a little bit better, a little bit more free to do what he needs to do. Um, so putting a, a, a stronger creative midfielder in there just re- would make Ceballos better, would make Shaka better, and hopefully unlock more um, just creativity in, in the players around you know, that, that front three just needs better service. I think that was what was really lacking today was um, as much as you could throw at Liverpool in the counterattack, 
they were just asking to be picked apart if you if you could get the ball over the top and they just we we couldn't get the service there was nobody that could control the ball long enough to get that ball over the top so it seemed like you have to have somebody that can both play through the press and create on top of that and ROR fits that 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 role even though he's young that's that that fits his his play style perfectly so it's definitely understandable why Arteta would want to go after that sort of player and I'm not sure if they don't get him if there's anybody that they can get in this limited transfer window period that we have remaining that's going to really do that for Arsenal I, I don't know if they have a backup plan but it might be an all or nothing sort of thing where they have to throw whatever spare change they have to get this ROR thing over the finish line. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if ROR, if, if given the choice between the two, I think I would rather have party bring in party mm-hmm. this window, just because I think as we saw, Sabios can be that creator. Is he a permanent solution for a championship winning team? I, I'm not hundred percent sold, but I think he can, play that role and i'd rather get a very solidified kind of jaka upgrade as it were as mm-hmm. as much as i'm not hating on jaka but i think he he's a spot we can upgrade on and then move from there as opposed to getting an or it it doesn't shore up the 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 defense you know it doesn't shore up kind of one of our bigger problems so yeah i, I do think though that up. you if if you aren't asking Sabios to roam forward to try to be a creator. Um, he he can be. I think we've seen that he can play a solid um, defensive role and create from deep. Um, so I think if you if you freed him up to play in a uh, more of a defensive pairing with Shaka and not have to roam forward as much to create things, I think Arwar fits in sits in front of him. And uh, just allows Sabios to do uh, something a little bit different than he has to do right now. I think like if you can simplify the roles or simplify things that the players have to do on the field, it just makes them better all around because they don't have to try to do everything. And 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 that can be just a, a, you know as simple as um, getting the player that can do that just a little bit better. You know, I think Ceballos is, is, is a competent defender, a competent player going forward, but he's not outstanding at either. So what if you took one of those roles away and said, okay, go be outstanding at creating from deep and outstanding at, at shutting players down. Cause we've seen him like be a very tenacious sort of player. And if he's just, um, you know, told to cover an area and create from that, that, deeper space i think that that might suit him better um than trying to do everything i don't know i'm not 100 percent convinced about that i i i personally think savaya is is much better used as a creator as a more creative forward playing player than as a, a defender and making it more of a defensive midfielder but i mean i guess we're we're definitely going to see what happens come this uh monday when the window closes yeah, we're very close here to finding out all the answers to all our questions. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I the party the party question I think is 
do we have enough money to make that happen? Um, so I, you know, they've been very, uh, unrelenting when it comes to that release clause. And I don't know if Arsenal really have the, the money to make that happen, let alone get both players. But, um, yeah, this, this Torreira situation. And, and if anybody else can leave, it sounds like, uh, Mustafi might be on the way out. Um, Socrates has been rumored to go out, but I haven't seen anything solid for him, but everything's going to come down to this last week. And I think if we can get some outgoing players, then all of a sudden maybe getting both, both makes sense. It's just kind of, it, it has to all come together pretty quickly here. Yeah, it's going to be a very uh, interesting Monday <laughs> to, uh-huh. to watch the news and see what's going on. Yeah. One, th- one thing we, we should mention, which is kind of a bizarre piece to today's <laughs> game, is, uh, you know, Hector Bellerin had eh, not not his greatest game, I, I would I would say. I think he was he was decent. But one the weird part was that he had not one, but two foul throw-ins and i don't even know i couldn't tell you what he did wrong other than like if you were into interpret the the rules like by the book i still don't know if he broke the rules i mean it is funny like when referees get ticky tacky about that foul throw in because i think 80 percent of throw-ins across the board are, are foul throw-ins one way or the other at that that level it's uh, it's generally not called. So I, I thought it was a little weird that they're getting persnickety about it, and especially against him. But what I thought was interesting is, I, I know like Liverpool, again, is, has been famous for bringing in a throw-in coach, that they, they spend the money and just specifically have a coach to coach them on throw-ins. But what I was noticing in our throw-ins was that we were unable to get anyone open. I don't know if you noticed it, but it's several times we had a player just sitting kind of on the uh, the line looking for somewhere to throw it, and there was just nobody open, and it took forever for them to, to get it in, and more often than not, they would lose the ball instantly. So I just thought it was interesting that we have that aspect. Yeah, I don't. the Liverpool press doesn't stop. I mean, I, I think that every time there's a throw-in, it's an opportunity for a turnover, so... Why stop pressing then? You know, <laughs> yeah, they they are unrelenting, and it's 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 impressive that they can keep it up through ninety minutes. Um, yeah. is, I want to talk about like kind of the overall takeaways, but one thing that jumped out to me, um, Jamie Carragher had this quote that uh, I thought was interesting. Um, he said, "I don't think it's possible for him, Arteta." as a manager to get any more out of the group he's got. I don't think that it's a top four group, but the way he is organizing them, what he's doing when I watch Arsenal, they could get into the top four with his management. Now I, I it's kind of hard to interpret necessarily what he's saying there. The implication I think is that like, if you um, give him the right pieces, he could make it, he could make a, <laughs> a diamond out of a piece of coal here. Like it's, it seems like he's got the right, uh, way of thinking in the group. He's got, um, people buying in and the management style. It seems like there's been a revolution and that was evidence just in, in how this game played out versus others, 
um, other recent matchups with with Liverpool. Um, but do you think if 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 Arsenal don't get anybody else in the in the transfer window, do you think this team has what it takes to um, continue improving and getting getting to that top four, or do you feel like it's still another couple windows away? Um, from coming to fruition for a Champions League spot, I, th- I think it's it's a hard question. I know we we talked about it a little bit coming into the season. I think the players that we have on the field right now are not a top four side in general. And I, I mean, I think Jer- Jamie Carragher nailed it exactly. That I think the manager Arteta can drag this team into a top four spot but it's going to be a lot of work it's going to be some things just going our way um so in general i think it's we shouldn't be disappointed if we i mean that's not true i think we shouldn't be surprised if we don't get a top four spot unless we make several really good signings i i do think for the most part we've seen the top levels of most of these players. Um, there may be one or two surprises. I'm, I'm still holding out for Pepe to, to kind of step up a notch, but I think what we're seeing is what we're getting. So yeah, I think really to be competing with a Liverpool and man city, which is really my kind of goal in the, in my head of what I want to see happen. I think that is definitely uh, several uh, windows away but can we sneak into the top four? I, I think there's a chance of that. I think I think as far as squads, I don't think I think we're in the same level as the Chelsea's and Manu and Leicester's of the world. Yeah, I think it, it it's not if you're just looking to get into the top four, um, and and you're only comparing yourself to Man City and Liverpool. To, to gauge whether you can make the top four, you're forgetting that we've left so many points on the table um, in previous seasons. So I think if if even if you can't beat Man City and Liverpool every time, um, you you only have to improve against everybody else <laughs> to get into the top four. Um, we may not be at the Man City Liverpool level yet, where we're consistently competing and beating them. But if we don't drop points to teams we we should be beating, and we figure out how to win on the road consistently um, the rest of the time, then I, I don't I don't care if we lose to Liverpool because that you know we've got so many other games that we we can get points from, and that's what we really need to to do to get into the top four is just stop leaving stupid points on the table and dropping dropping games that we don't need to. So I think like trying to um, stay consistent in, in our style of play, um, not giving up, these are little things that uh, like I said before, if you take the, if you take the things that you learn against Liverpool and apply them to games like Fulham and West Ham or, or you know Sheffield this coming week, um, all of a sudden you're, you're picking up those points and you're making headway and building confidence. So then by the time you swing back into Liverpool and Man City later on in the season, you've got this, um, 
you know, this uh, body of work that you can um, build off of and, and build confidence from. And I think that that makes a huge difference in the, um, the way that you play those big teams. You suddenly um, aren't afraid of them anymore. And I think, you know, we've, we've shown already improvements against Man City and Liverpool and, and some of these other bigger clubs. Like, um, you know, we've had some more success with che- against Chelsea as well. Um, those are, those are things we got to beat those boogeymen and then just be confident against everybody else. I think that Arsenal, part of what, what Arteta was trying to reinstill is just that like Arsenal is a big club. We should not feel afraid to go away from home. We should not feel away, uh, afraid uh, against these lesser teams where the Arsenal, you know, like let's, let's act like it. Let's not be scared. Let's play a certain way. Let's let's go and attack. Let's um, not get get into a defensive shell at any point. We take the team. We take the game to every team we play. These little things do add up, and I think that um, I think that's what Carragher's referring to is like the the mentality, the structure, the things that Arteta has brought can take this pretty rough team that has seen some things has seen some rough times last season with a lot of ups and downs and and bring them polish that can really up their their level into that top four it's anybody's game i think beyond liverpool and man city it, it could be anybody i think we've seen um that, that anybody is beatable in this league. I, I don't think anybody's immune to it. I don't think anybody's going to go on an Invincibles run. Um, so I think Arsenal has as good a chance as any team. And if they get a couple pieces, that just puts them over the top and, and helps this project come to fruition a little bit faster. But overall, I think we have a chance. And I think top four should not be considered out of reach by any means. We've got a lot of stuff going for us. So I don't think losing to Liverpool is, is any indication that we can't be a top four club. Yeah. And I think uh, the comparison we can make is the Chelsea Liverpool game. And I, I watched all of that game and yeah, there was a red card involved, which does kind of shift things around. But uh, I, I do, I don't, I didn't see Chelsea perform any better against Liverpool than we did. And having watched a couple Chelsea games, a couple Man U games, uh, even a couple Leicester games, I, I, I just don't. I don't see them being that far out of our league. I think that's who we're competing with right now. That it's almost like you have the top two, and then you have kind of this tier of about four or five clubs that are really kind of vying for the ne- the next two spots. And I think that's realistically where we're at. And I, I'm, I, I, as the season progresses, we'll see kind of where we stack in in that next tier of teams. Yeah, and I think like for this season, if we can just sneak into that top four, then you look at like what the the bones that are still left of the <laughs> the team, and you and you go out in the market and you figure out how you become a true top four team. It's kind of like a chicken and egg situation. You can't really become a top four team until you actually finish in the top four. Um, building out that that uh, depth and that quality really takes the money that you get from Champions League. And we, we know that. We've talked about that over and over again. So um, if we can just find a way 
to sneak in there, that really is is the only way we're going to look like a top four team as far as the the way we build build going forward. And I think that Jamie Carragher quote actually does bring in something that I think is really important too, is that we, we just need patience. We need to be patient about this team and Arteta, and we need to not just, as soon as there's a, a few stumbling blocks or things, just throw our hands up and just say, like, this team is awful, all our players are awful, we should just burn it to the ground. We have to remember that these te- it took City... Um, you know, five, six years to get to where they're at. It took uh, Liverpool, what, uh, five years, I believe, from appointing Klopp. And that wasn't even the really the beginning because they began with a rebuilding with a, uh, God, what is his name? He was manager of Leicester now. Uh, Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers, yes. Uh, it start, that's when really the Liverpool rebuild really started. So we need to exercise some patience, I think. And I think... Uh, the quote from Jamie Carragher really kind of highlights that. Yeah, I think it's, it's you, we, we as a fan group and, and looking at, um, you know, these up and coming players that we've dropped money on, whether it's Saliba or Pepe or whoever it is, um, patience. I mean, I think everybody has shown improvement under Arteta, uh, but getting everybody on the same page where it's really clicking as a team or, you know, everybody like, the, the the quote kind of alludes to this as well. It's like everybody could be maxed out right now. And all it takes is one person, you know, maybe it's Saka, maybe it's Martinelli coming back. You know, it, it could just be that one person that brings it all together. And all of a sudden you've, you've ticked over into that next, that next tier, that next level. Um, but that takes time. That takes repetition. That takes a lot of things that, um, uh, Arteta needs more time with these players. You know, it's been weird. We haven't had like a real preseason. It's just been this one long super season be- between last year and this year. So it's um, it's just going to take a bit more patience from everybody. And I think the players have to buy into that as well, that it's not going to be an overnight success. But I'm sure they see it from the ground. Uh, you know, seeing it from the ground, they can... Um, they can sense that there's improvement that we can't even see because they are out in training every day. And I think Arteta's positivity about how everybody's training and, and, and the improvement he's seen, um, we should take that as, as a sign that things will hit the field and, and really, um, we'll, we'll see that, uh, that improvement overall in the games that we play. Um, it just kind of, you know, we can't, we can't get this, too down about these losses to the likes of Liverpool. It's, it's, it's not a true indicator of where we're at yet. Um, let's talk a little bit about Liverpool again, because lucky us, we drew, uh, drew them in the Carabao cup, uh, fourth round. So we get to see them one more time this week on Thursday and I guess the real question is, do we have any expectation that this will be different? Um, I think the quick answer is yes. That I think I think this type of game falls into the previous two games that I touched on or we touched on briefly before, which is that the competition level is, I think, going to be a little bit lower. I, I'm definitely guessing there's going to be a, quite a bit of rotation on both sides of the ball. There's going to be... Mm-hmm. A, a, a much different feel to the game and so i think i think this is a game where instead of playing 
extremely defensive. It could be a game where we can try and take it to them and just see how it is. I think in my mind is such a low risk scenario that I would just love to see what our kind of depth players can do trying to go at a, a team. It, and, you know, if we get knocked out, let's fix your congestion. I'm not, I'm not terribly worried about the cup, this cup. Yeah. And I, th- I, I, when I think about a side, if you put out a different, uh, d- a different look team, you're going to be looking at a team with Sabios in it, a team with Saka, with Nkedia, with, uh, Gabriel, um, you know, the, that, that alone, oh, don't forget Pepe, you know, all, <laughs> all these different, um, players really do make for a, di- a very different look for Arsenal. So I'd be curious to see how much rotation there is and really just how, how different, um, how different a lineup Liverpool puts out, how seriously they're, they're going to take the, um, EFL cup. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, I think it'll just be fun. I don't know. I'm not super worried about it. I just, you know, another, another chance to see us play Liverpool is exciting. Uh, even, even if I don't have super high hopes for it. Yeah, it's funny in certain ways, I'm almost more, ex- or not more excited, but like, I, I, I think it's fun because it's such low stakes that it's just going to be, it's going to be on ESPN plus, I believe. And on, oh, I'm mm. totally going to tune in and watch the game and enjoy it just to see kind of, it's almost like watching a, a, a youth team or a B squad game and just seeing like if we can look at individual performances and see some improvement or something to be excited about for the, the, the first team squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we go, uh, I'm, I'm actually not sure if it's at a home or away game this weekend. I'm not sure it matters at this point. <laughs> um, um but uh, we we are playing the Sheffield United. I don't know where it is. Going to be at home. At home. Okay. So yeah, Sheffield United at home. Um, you know they are playing like ass, and <laughs> and so I'm not I'm not super concerned about that. You know I think like. Um, rotating for Thursday's game and then throwing out our first choice lineup against Sheffield um, is a good bounce back game. Uh, so I, I think that'll be a fun one, actually. It should be a good game. The, the thing I worry about and I throw a little bit of caution to is that the one thing we do know is that Sheffield United can set up defensively, that they do. I mean, they were a good team last year. Let's remember that. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. And it is early in the season teams are still kind of shaking down and trying to figure out where they are. And I think though they've lo- they lost their last game against Leeds, keeping Leeds to one goal is actually something to be fairly proud of because before that Leeds had been free scoring. You look at that game against Liverpool, they put in uh, three goals against a Liverpool side. Uh, I, I, and Leeds kind of snuck away with that win against Sheffield and yes, we're better than Leeds, but I don't know if Sheffield defense is something to be that we're going to have trouble breaking down. Cause we have traditionally had trouble breaking down teams that kind of sit down into a, a tight block formation. Uh, you know, we've been talking about our lack of creativity and this is where it's going to show the most. Cause you know, we're not going to have the same counterattacking 
situations that we've had previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely, um, this is why you know a, a reason why we need to go out and get another midfield um, setup. But I, I, I do think that it, it's not impossible for Arsenal to break down um, Sheffield. You know, I. I think they have the tools to get it done. I don't think Sheffield's defensive abilities are really. Um, I think I think Arsenal's better than the last time we played Sheffield, <laughs> so I think the improvement will will show. Um, but we'll see how how things go. I will uh, be watching that game early on Sunday, so that'll be that'll be another fun one. I, it's it's all fun right now. That's that's the thing I really enjoy just seeing what Arsenal does week in week out right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, excited about the game. I think it should be, uh, it should be, you know, as always a good test to see, you know, where we, where we've progressed. Yes, definitely. I think every, every little, little bit of progression is, is feels really positive right now. Um, just cause I, I don't, I wouldn't say Arsenal hit rock bottom by any means last season. Uh, it was bad, but it could have been worse. Um, we, you know, finishing in eighth is really, it's not as bad as it could have been with the way they were playing. So, um, I think, you know, every, every step feels like really positive right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to be excited about games again. All right. Well, with that, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Start bench drop makes its triumphant return, and we'll talk about the Arsenal women talk their uh, big win against the um, the team that shall not be named. <laughs> so we'll come back and talk about that and a little fantasy league update for you. All right, welcome back from the break. And let's get right into start bench drop. All right. So in case you forgot, it's been a while. Uh, I'm going to list off these names. And uh, you tell me whether it's a start for you, a bench, or you don't want to see these guys in the lineup anymore. <laughs> um, and then we'll, we'll circle back and talk a little bit about what your um, real opinions are. So, uh, let's get started with Lacazette. Start. And how about Elneny? Bench. And Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Bench. And Hector Bellerin? Start. Not super confident. (laughs) Okay. And I don't have this name on there, but I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna add in Ceballos. Start. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about Lacazette. You know, I think we had mentioned his miss in the game, but he also had our our only goal. So you're you had him down as a start. Um, you know, and Ketty is always kind of knocking on the door there, but it seems like Lacazette's. Um, solidified his starting role with his team at the moment. Uh, you know, what's your What's your general feeling on on Lacazette at the moment? 
I mean, he scored uh, three goals in three games. I I can't complain about that whatsoever. I think mm-hmm. the miss was unfortunate, but I mean, a striker scoring a goal a game is is a fine return. And you know, maybe we should be looking towards other players who really didn't have that many looks like Aubameyang wasn't uh, generating any chances. So a goal and a, a good chance, I think that's a fine return for a, a, a striker. And I, I'm personally very happy starting him right now. So so what I'm hearing is you want to bench Aubameyang. <laughs> no, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, uh, you know, throwing a lot of heat at him for that miss is misdirected i think i think there's uh, other places we can look other than just that one miss yeah and i do think like he's he's just a person that needs the right service um we've seen improvements with him playing with william um get get some get some better midfielders behind him and i think he would be even more potent so i look i look forward to this renewed Lacazette through this season. And I hope he can continue his form because he is not fun to watch when he's not playing, (laughs) when he's not playing well, when his head is hanging, it's, it's pretty, pretty depressing. (laughs) And I think it it does the team good to not have to rely so heavily on Aubameyang. So uh, more goals spread around the better. Definitely. And and you can really see that he's playing with a little bit of joy, a a spring in his step as it were. Mm Hmm. All right, so for El Nani, you have him as a, a a bench, and he got the start today. Do you think he really played that bad, or just he's not your prefer in your preferred lineup? No, he didn't play that bad. I mean, he didn't play that great either. I, I mean, mm-hmm. there was it, was it was definitely his passing, his possession, all leave much to be desired. Um, I don't think he's our best option, but I I said bench instead of drop because I do think he provides a good depth piece. I think that uh, he he's not horrible. I was it's not <laughs> it's not like when last year when you'd see Mustafi start and you just groan and 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 pray. I think El Nini has a role he can play in this team. It's just definitely not a starter in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's going to be games where he he might be, um, you know, if you if you're looking for a little bit more defensive player, uh, he he definitely fills that role. Um, I just don't know if that played out very well against Liverpool today because it, it really was not a game that Arsenal controlled very well at any point, and the midfield was getting pretty much bypassed. Like it just was not. Um, not clicking through the middle. Um, I don't blame Elneny for that, but I think I do think at, at the moment the um, Ceballos and and Jaka pairing uh, is is pr- preferable in most scenarios. And I think uh, you mentioned Ceballos as a start for you. Do you feel like um, you know if, if if we went out and got uh, a party or an ROR. Um, is that, is that who you would see as expendable uh, between him? And I, I mean, I guess we don't really know what the, the, um, formation would be if we went out and got another midfielder, if they would switch to a four, three, three, or what that would look like. 
but who who do you feel um, is expendable between Ceballos and Xhaka? I mean, I think Jaka is the more expendable player. I mean, it depends too. There's horses for courses, right? It depends on what we want to see. I just, in my mind, and I could just be crazy, um, but in my mind, I see Jaka as the more defensively sturdy of the two and Sabias the more creative. So when if it was Sheffield United, for example, I would definitely have Sabias over Jaka. Um, but if it was a Liverpool... I, or a city or Bayern or a team that uh, we need to be more careful. Even someone like Leeds who's free scoring, I would uh, probably look for more of a a Xhaka type of player in that role. So, I mean, I guess depends would be the wishy-washy answer. Yeah. I think one thing that um, Arteta has really enjoyed about Ceballos and why he wanted to bring him back is that he really takes direction well. Um, and and can kind of fill that offensive or defensive role depending on what the game needs. So um, I, I it's the other piece you have to think about is like how much investment do you want to put into a player that's only on loan, um, considering he may not be affordable or something that Arsenal want to put money into um, after this season. So uh, I hate to see a good player get benched, but like it's. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to want to put time into an effort into a player uh, if they're not going to be here in the long term. Yeah, I mean, you have to balance the the developmental aspect versus the here and now aspect as well, mm-hmm. and that we can't just always play for the future because then we are never playing for the now. So uh, there there is that aspect to it, and I think he Sabias definitely does right now create have have some things to offer and create for this team yeah definitely all right let's uh circle back and get back in order here uh ainsley maitland niles you have him as a bench um you not impressed with him today i i wasn't i know he did a lot of kind of dirty work and a lot of running and it was it was a tough game with a lot of pressing he gets into great positions he he does a lot of the hard work really well but it's that final bit of it that uh just doesn't come off even i mean for the goal today that was his cross and it was a horrible cross actually it just ended up <laughs> yeah being a very lucky lucky ball but i mean it, it was it, and i just saw that all day long and his passing just seemed like especially in the final third just seemed off yeah, and that's never been the strong strongest aspect of his game. Um, and it, it's uh, I don't I don't know if he can. I would assume he could still develop and that that piece of his game and and really become a more round well rounded player. But maybe not. Maybe he's um, he's great at slotting into positions and filling that that very specific role and. He's just not going to be that offensive force that we want him to be. Um, and that's something you have to kind of plan around. But it's, um, yeah, it's a little frustrating. I, I don't know. Um, it, it's kind of the same with Willick. Like when it, when he comes in, it's like there's just key pieces to their games that you're just like, man, if you only had this, if you only made that pass there, if only you were a little bit better with your crossing. Um you just like 
it, it's it's one of those things we were talking about. We just have to have patience, I think, and and it'll it'll all come together. I don't I don't know if if I would bench Ainsley Maitland Niles because there are so many times we need that type of player. Um, that just kind of fills that role, and I don't want it to be Kalasinat. <laughs> so uh, I would take Ainsley Maitland Niles over Kalasinat just because at least he progresses the ball, whereas Kalasinat is very a very negative player as far as not. Um, going forward with the ball with confidence. And I, I at least Ainsley Maitland-Niles is getting to the touchline or getting to the end line, excuse me, and, and getting um, getting crosses in, even if they're horrible. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right, let's talk about Hector Bellerin. Uh, start with an asterisk? Uh, did, that, did, did you feel like this was a regression game for him? It was, and I, I think... I think we are at a point with Bellerin where we we know kind of his high end, and I think his high end is is great and amazing. But then you get games like this where it, was, it wasn't a great game for him. I really do think uh, Liverpool's second goal was really him. Was it the second goal where he was well out of position in the first? Sorry, I probably should have rewatched it. But uh, mm. there was... It might have been the first where he was just well out of position and probably should have tracked the uh, Roberts run. Which which goal was Roberts? That was the second one. Uh, that was the second one, yeah. And I, and I I feel like uh, I feel like that was not a hundred percent Bellerin, but it didn't cover himself in glory. I know he had a, a tough assignment this game. He was running back and forth and had a battle on that side of the pitch all game long. So there is that factor to it. So. I, I don't know. Like, I think on his best, we start him. I think he is one of the better options we have up there or down there. But I'm I'm not 100% convinced. He's he's definitely on the hot seat, as it were. I mean, if you don't play him, then you're looking at Cedric or Ainsley Maitland-Niles. So I think he's still the top of that pile, um, even on his uh, worst day. I, he provides more on offense. Although I, I I still don't know that I have a solid opinion of Cedric uh, Suarez. He's hasn't really played enough for me to develop an opinion. So um, I'd like to see more of him, but I still think um, Bellerin's probably has the the uh, biggest up, upside of those three players. Yeah, I mean, I, I agreed. Although, like, yeah, with Cedric, it's just so hard because we haven't seen enough of him to to play. Um, or to judge, but yeah, as I say, I just, uh, I, th- I think he's definitely a, a weaker spot sometimes on our team. Well, he's got to quit those foul throws. That's really hurting the team. So <laughs> if he could cut that out, that would really help us out. Um, all right. So, uh, in addition to Arsenal men, the women's team played the, the other team that we don't like talking about, but uh, you know, they, they thumped the spur, the Spurs women's team. And Tim, you want to talk a little bit about that game? I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but the, the highlights were impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, I love talking about Spurs in the uh, context of the women's game. Cause we just have their number and it's amazing. Um, I'm going to totally get this stat wrong. Cause I didn't write it down like a professional. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but I believe it's over the last three games, we've outscored Spurs 22 to nothing. So it's, it's, 
it's always fun playing them. Uh, I was, I think this game was especially fun to, to, to win because Spurs was getting a lot of headlines because, um, I'm sure mo- many of you are aware that a lot of the women's na- U.S. women's national team players are going over to England uh, to sign, and uh, so uh, Spurs just signed Alex Morgan, who's you know many of us are are aware of here in the states, and it was great to take over that narrative and have our players just just steamroll them. You know, uh, we had a uh, knobs who had just an amazing goal for to open up the first half was a zero zero kind of not not that exciting i it, it was you know a tough game but the second half arsenal really opened up you had knobs first goal which was i you you saw the highlights and i just i, I love watching that goal over i could watch that goal over and over and over again yeah, it was just a silly giveaway from Tottenham, and 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 Nobbs made him pay for it. You know, the keeper was out of position, and that it, perfectly lofted goal, uh, shot on goal. I top of the box over the keeper, top corner. Like you, it just doesn't get better than that. No, it, it was awesome. And then we had a uh, hat trick from uh, Lisa Evans, which is always a. It's always nice to get a hat trick. Um, and, you know, we progress. And anytime we win in a, in a North London Derby is always, always exciting. Uh, the next team up is Man City, who uh, should be a tough competition for. Uh, they're one of the uh, better teams, in, of course, in the women's game as well. So it it, it should be a, a much sterner test. Um, and I say these games are all available free. Um, I'll, I'll post the links to... Or I'll send you, Caleb, to post the links because I don't post anything. Uh, <laughs> to how to watch these games for free, and there, you know, if you're hurting for some football on a Saturday, it was a good time to watch. Yeah, I think I, I definitely need to uh, take advantage of the free streaming, uh, get into it a little bit more. And, and, you know, it's something we've been talking about getting more coverage for the women's team and. Uh, maybe getting some guests in here who know a bit more than us and can speak to the ins and outs a little bit more. So we'll, we'll work on that and we'll continue to try to bring up the the women's team as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, this women's team is uh, going to be a, a classic vintage. I, I, I'm excited to see how far they can go both in the league, which they're topping right now with something like plus 15 goal differential after two games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in the, the champions league, I think they have a good shot. I mean, Olympic Leon is, you know, the gold standard for women's soccer in the world, really, at this point. So it'll be hard to compete with them. But I think, I do think that we have a good team that will, with our Dutch contingent, with with Kim Little, who is like basically one of my favorite soccer players of all time. Uh, I think we have a good chance of uh, going far in that competition. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how we do, and I'll, I'll try to. Catch, catch the next game if I can against Man City. All right. Tell me a little bit more about this fantasy game because I'm not I'm not making any progress. I feel like yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm you, treading water at this point. I, I think that's a good thing. I think that, you know, consistency <laughs> is something we all strive for in life. And, you know, yes. if the Arsenal team were consistent, we'd be very happy. And you've been a consistent seventh. This entire oh, you know what? I'm looking right now, and I moved up. I'm at sixth oh, right did now. Did you move up? Oh, look! I at moved you. up today. Yeah, I look when I put this, it was, I think the results were preliminary. I think they get a couple. Let me 
double check to make sure no one else kind of moved around. Look at you up there in second. <laughs> yeah, my points total changed. That's right. I got a I I definitely didn't have Tierney on the bench, which helped me. And then my my two strikers are my my secrets. I, I'm doing Ings and Bamford, and they're uh, they're uh, turning out the points for me. This and they were really cheap when I got them. So I'm I'm happy with that. But uh, yeah, anyway, sorry to, to brag. So I'm definitely not in first. <laughs> and that's Uday who got in touch with us on the Facebook. But uh, Uday, he uh, is in first place with uh, 183 points. I believe he triple captained uh, Vardy, which uh, is always going to get you a, a, few, a few points. Um, I'm in second with 170. And as mentioned, uh, you're in sixth place. I'd like to give a, a, a honorable shout out to uh, John Blundell, who, although is propping the table right now, he it's a lot to do with he joined us late, but he got a whopping sixty points. And oh, I didn't notice this, but uh, Kristen Berman got sixty four points this this uh, game week. Wow. That's yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> my thirty five is looking pretty paltry there. So I, I need to <laughs> I need to make some changes. Yeah, you know, do your. I I totally I dropped a, uh, what's his name, the city defender because the guy who gave up the Walker Kyle Walker. I had him in my team. He gave up that uh, penalty, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm 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 done with you. So we'll <laughs> see if my new defensive strategy works out. Yeah, I got to look at what my weak points are and figure this out. I, I I haven't put enough time into this yet, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try to improve my position before next week. Yeah, I mean, I be, I believe in you, Caleb. I believe you can get to. Thank fifth. you, thank you. <laughs> your 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 confidence makes all the difference. All right, so we'll we'll check back in with that next week. Uh, for now, though, I think that's pretty much it for us. Let's uh, thank a few people before we shut things down. Uh, first of all, thank you to Bobcat for their awesome theme song. Check out their music by going to bob excuse me bobc.at. That spells out Bobcat, and you can find their uh, social media and their latest album. No course to follow um, right at that website and we'd like to thank you for listening thank you for joining us as always we love to hear from you uh, westernnorthlondon at gmail.com is how you can send us an email if you want to send us your questions your comments your concerns any ideas you might have for how to make this thing a better um, a better podcast overall uh, if you want to join the the twitter revolution that tim is has jumped onto uh you can follow us at west excuse me at w of n london that's how you get in touch with us on twitter and uh, we'd love to hear from you on there just give us a follow send us a message send us your questions um yeah both uh sorry to interrupt normally i don't but uh, both uh caleb and i are very uh active most uh, game days so if you want to chat with us uh, that's usually a best uh, tweeting at the west of north london is a good way for both of us to get in contact and kind of chat as the game's going on yeah and we're you know we're looking to expand our community options and, and build out from twitter and email so if you have any ideas of um, places you'd like to um, follow us or be involved you know like I can start a Facebook group, but I don't know if there's that many people on Facebook these days. 
could start a Discord, we could do Slack, we could do a plethora of other solutions that I don't even know exist. So if you have any ideas on that, send us an email, let us know. I'd love to hear from you and, and, and figure out how to make West North London bigger than just a podcast and, uh, you know, grow this thing. Let's make it bigger, make it better. Um, speaking of which, the best way to grow things, grow podcasts, is to leave us a review. So wherever you're picking up this podcast, wherever you're subscribed, wherever you're listening, go and leave us a review. It'd be a big help in, in spreading the word and letting people know how much you like listening to us, how much we fulfill your hopes and dreams, and uh, you know any of that that you want to put into words or song or anything that <laughs> would fit onto a review. Go ahead and do that. That would be a huge help to us. I would love um, if someone sent in a song. So if you if you're feeling creative, please send in a song. Yes, we will definitely put us any songs on the show. We'll put anything on the show. Just send us stuff. I'm not I'm not going to be picky. <laughs> may have opened a can of worms there. I I'll take a can of worms. Send them in. Um, I think that's pretty much it. That'll, that'll close out one more episode of West of North London. So thank you for joining us. And as always, we'll see you at the next gun show. <laughs> <laughs>